0: Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. We are in the book of Titus. Uh, We're going to be starting chapter 2 in Titus this morning. So uh, if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, you can go ahead and turn to um, Titus chapter 2. What's conveyed in these verses, what we can take from these uh, verses this morning, this is one of my favorite passages. I say that to y'all a lot um, because I love all of them. But uh, th- this really is one of, the, one of my favorite passages, one of the most influential passages when it comes to New City Church and uh, how we are set up and why we do the things that we do the way that we do. Um, so I love this passage. Last week, we talked about God's provision for His people in giving the church elders, uh, men who, who work for the good of God's local church, shepherding them, caring for them, teaching them, protecting them, um, leading God's people to grow, uh, grow together in the gospel. This week, we're going to see more of God's provision for his people, and what we're going to be talking about is family, how God gives us family for our good, Um, and I love this. But before we get to that, before we get to the family part of this, I want to remind you of some things that we've already talked about, um, because they're very foundational for what we see this morning in God's provision of of family. So uh, I want to back up. We'll go all the way back to verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can can go there. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 1. Uh, where Paul introduces this letter that he is sending to Titus. And we talked about in that first week in Titus um, how Paul was hoping in this letter, and really in, in, in all of his life, but in this letter specifically, what he was hoping to accomplish through Titus and in Crete. So Paul wrote this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of your f- the faith, of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. We'll stop right there. Paul says that he is writing for and he is tasked by God with helping God's people grow in their faith and knowledge of the truth. Faith, we talked about that. Faith, what faith really is. Faith is belief. It's it's trusting in something or someone. Um, it's a it's a matter of the heart when we talk about faith like this is a a a deep conviction faith is it's 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 far more than just knowledge that we attain or, or or that we give mental assent to um the knowledge that Paul is talking about here is is similar um, to what I'm saying about faith. The knowledge that Paul is talking about here is more than just attaining facts, it's more than just knowing about something. What Paul is talking about is a deep, intimate, personal knowledge, right? So Paul doesn't mean that he hopes that you know all the facts about the gospel or all the facts and information that there is about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. What Paul is saying is, I I want you to know the gospel deeply and intimately and personally. I want you to know Jesus that way. That this is my desire for you, church, that you have the, the deep personal relationship with, with Jesus that is possible. and that because you know Him this way, you, your faith grows to match that knowledge. And it too, it is a deep trust in the promises of God and in the promises of, of Jesus. This deep faith and intimate knowledge that Paul desires for God's people is centered, verse 1 says, on the truth. And the truth that Paul is talking about is the truth that was made known by God, he says, at the proper time. And it is the truth that was entrusted to Paul for Paul to preach. What he is talking about, again, is not... Sometimes we read these verses and we think of the truth as the Bible. And the Bible is true. I believe that wholeheartedly. But that's not what Paul has in mind. It's not a general, these things are true. It, it, It is not the law of God that is true. What Paul has in mind is specifically the gospel. God's plan known to God before the foundations of the earth, Paul Paul is talking about that plan, that in Christ we would be redeemed from sin and restored to a right relationship with him. This known by God before the foundations of the earth, and Paul says, but not revealed uh, until recently in Christ. This gospel message Paul has been given to proclaim. Now, Paul wants them to know the gospel deeply, to believe and trust in all that the gospel is. And Paul says when we, when we do that, it will bear fruit in our lives, and the fruit that it bears is godliness. So, so, so he wants to see that. in in the church in Crete he wants to see them growing in their knowledge of the gospel their trust in Jesus and the fruit that it bears is a life of godliness there was a challenge to this in Crete and we talked about it a, a threat to the church growing in this way and that threat was false teachers the False teachers were a part of the church, um, and they were leading, Paul says, the house churches that made up the church of Crete. They were leading these house churches away from the gospel, away from what Paul's desire was that they would grow in faith in Jesus. These false teachers were leading them away. In one way, they were doing it was by insisting that they not only believe and trust in Jesus, but they also keep the law, the Jewish law yes you need jesus but you also have to keep all of the laws and the feasts and the festivals if you are to be a child of god and they were pulling people away from the gospel another way that that was happening was the 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 false teachers were teaching myths, right? These, these endless stories about characters in the, in the Bible, these crazy, exciting stories that go on and on about people who are mentioned in the Bible but don't really have a story in the Bible. They were making these stories up. And again, what was happening was people would get so caught up in these stories that they were no longer pursuing Jesus. And so they were, they were being led further and further away from Jesus they were teaching myths they were teaching Jesus plus the law in addition to that was just the culture that they found themselves in the culture in Crete was a constant pull away from Jesus it was a culture of laziness drunkenness all sorts of excess so last week we talked about in verses 5 through 9 how how God gave the church elders And elders, these these men in the church, were to shepherd God's people, to lead them to the gospel, um, to live out the gospel in front of them so that they could see what that looked like. They were to teach, to equip the people. They were to stand up against the false uh, the false teachers. These, these elders were given by God as a gift to the church to remind people of the beautiful truths of the gospel and see that they continue to walk with Jesus in the gospel. This is then where we come in this letter to um, the second provision for the church, and, and that is family. W- one more thing before I jump into family uh, that I want to point out. Paul wants the church to grow in this deep experiential knowledge of Jesus and of of the gospel and the fruit that it bears, again, I said this just a minute ago, the fruit that it bears when we are growing, walking with Jesus, we are growing more and more to trust in the gospel, all of the implications of the gospel, the fruit that comes from that is godliness. More and more, our lives reflect our faith. More and more, our lives reflect godliness. Their faith, what they believed, is what would lead to godliness. I am stressing this because that is true for us as well. What leads to godliness is what we believe. What gives us direction in our life is, is what we believe, right? It, it isn't, godliness isn't simply the result of trying harder and being more disciplined. Nothing wrong with those. But ultimately, what, what, what moves us more and more into the image of Jesus is our faith, what we truly believe about who he is and what he has done for us. Look then at what Paul says of the false teachers, verse 16. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. They say that they know God. They know things about God. They say that they understand who God is. They say that they understand what it is that God wants but their works say something completely different, Paul is saying. Their disobedience, their unfitness as a way of life demonstrates that they don't really know and understand God. So again, what I am trying to help you see here is that, that, that connection that exists between our true belief and our behavior. We behave the way that we do because of what we truly believe, not what we give mental assent to, Not the facts that we have attained, but what we truly believe. We live the way that we do, not because of what we profess or acknowledge. We live the way that we do because of what we believe. That is why Paul wanted to see them growing, not just in a head knowledge or attaining more facts about Jesus and about the gospel. He wanted them growing in a deep and intimate personal relationship with Jesus. He wanted them to to grow in their faith. To grow in their faith so that they trusted him more and more and all that they said. Because because that is what would lead to godliness rather than the life that we see of the false teachers, which is detestable, disobedient, and unfit. This is why the elders are, are, are commanded to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, and he's talking about the gospel, so that, so that they may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. Now, y'all, this is gospel fluency. Now, I know if you're newer to New City, you're like, I do not understand what you're saying when you use those words. This is us learning to apply the, 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 the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us to our lives, to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. So when you leave today, if New City is like where you're going to be for a little while, go ahead and register for gospel fluency if I am speaking a completely foreign language to you. It, it, it really does change your life. This is gospel fluency. Paul doesn't say that elders... Need to be well versed in the commands of God and the law so that they can teach people to obey the law. He says that an elder should hold firm to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. That means that we should know it. We should know it deeply and intimately and personally. We should believe it. That means we should trust it. We should trust in the gospel and all of the promises associated with it. We should love it as we love Jesus. So that, for the elders, they can give instruction and sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. Sound doctrine flows out of the good news of the gospel. Sound doctrine is not simply a list of rules and do's and don'ts and here's what you should do and what you shouldn't do. That is is doctrine. But all of that doctrine, Paul is saying, flows with and out of the gospel. So, so elders, right, this is, again, let me, let me bring these back together. This is how we grow. We grow in the gospel. And that's why Paul is saying as he's writing this letter, I want you to grow in your, in your knowledge of the truth. I want you to grow in your faith in the truth. I want you to grow in your knowledge and your faith of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you do, your life will begin to reflect the life of Jesus, and you will grow in godliness. By the way, I'm giving you elders, and the job of the elder is to help you grow in the gospel. Does does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? All right, the rest of you need to sign up for that class. So God gives us elders to help us grow in the gospel, but that's not all that God gives us. God is giving you family for your good. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 now. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior Not slanderers or slaves to much wine, they are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that, that the word of God may not be reviled." Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything they are to be well pleasing not argumentative not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of god our savior so two parts that i want to talk about here when it comes to family the first is this titus teach the family Paul has just been talking about the false teachers and how they are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers. Um, They are not sound in their faith. But you, Titus, he says, right, as, as as a comparison, a contrast with them, but you, Titus, teach what is right. Teach sound doctrine. He says, teach older men. Titus, teach the older men in the church. You you, you make sure that you teach them to be sober-minded. That means to be sensible, to think practically, rationally, to have some wisdom in the way that you think. Titus, teach the older men to be sober-minded. Teach them to be dignified, meaning that they are worthy of respect and honor. Teach them to live a life that is worthy of respect and honor. Teach them to be self-controlled. That one's pretty self-explanatory, right? To have control over yourself so that you are not mastered by your desires and appetites. And then he gives these three. To be sound in faith, sound in love, and steadfast, right? To To be sound in faith, sound in love. The word here for love is agape love. Teach the older men to love like they are loved by God. Teach the older men to love unconditionally as God loves them. Their fate. I debated on this, but I want to share it, right? So teach them, teach them uh, to be sound in their faith, their faith with the gospel. Um, teach them to love, to love others around, uh, around them, around you, and to be steadfast. Now, steadfast is just stick to itness, right? And so older men, um, Titus, teach the older men to, to have this um, persistence with them. Uh, I I have known older men, um, older men who poured into my life for a while uh, before they became older men, um, who poured into my life, who taught me a lot, and then when they became older men, they just sort of disappeared. And they quit serving the Lord, and they quit being a part of what God was doing, and, and they don't even go to church a whole lot. It was as if they they entered a time in their life where they said, you know what, I'm handing it off to somebody else, and and it's their turn. Listen to me, men, young and old. If you're young, don't do that when you get older. And if you are an older man here, shame on you. That is is not what the Bible teaches. And, And Paul is saying that. He's saying, listen, Titus, teach the older men to stick with it. To stick with it, there is no retirement for the older men in the church. Continue to serve, continue to labor, continue in your pursuit of Jesus. All right, teach the older men. Then he says, um, (laughs) teach the older women. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. We'll stop there. Being reverent is a word that's used um, in the Bible uh, for behavior that is acceptable for temple or worship, right? That's what reverence is, right? So live your life like you do when you go to church. That's how you should live your whole life, reverent in that way. Um, Older women should exhibit behavior in keeping with their profession of faith, not slanderers. Now, what slander means is is that we are uh, malicious gossips. We are saying things about other people to tear them down. Uh, Older women, do not be malicious gossips. Teach them not to tear other people down by their slandering. And then Paul says, um, teach them not to be gossips. Teach them not to be enslaved to much wine. Gossip is when we talk to other people about things or about people that we shouldn't talk to them about. The Bible is really, really clear. Like, just don't do that. Don't tell people somebody else's business. That's gossip. Don't do that. Don't do it as a prayer request. Don't do it for any reason at all. Just don't do it. Don't gossip. Gossip tears people down enslaved um, in, in to much wine. This one is interesting um, because in Crete, drinking was apparently a problem. Uh, and, and in fact, drinking uh, in excess, like the more you could drink, that was like a virtue. Like somebody who could drink a whole lot, that was virtuous for them. Uh, it's interesting here because Paul doesn't say, thou shalt not drink. What he says is, hey, drinking is a problem here. Do not, do not be a drunkard. Do not be addicted to much wine. So, uh, certainly, drunkenness is a sin, addiction to uh, alcohol is a sin, don't do those things. So, Titus was to to teach, um, and what he was teaching the older men and the older women was life in light of the gospel right? So again, this isn't just a a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. What Paul is saying is this is what it, it, it looks like for us to follow Jesus. This is the life that we were meant to live. This is not how you live in order to be a child of God or to be loved by God. This is how you live as his child. This is what it looks like to be a child of God. This is how we live. It's because you are a follower, because you do represent Jesus, that you live this way. Here's what it looks like to walk, to live in the image of Christ. Verse 7 um, Titus was not only to teach behavior in keeping with the gospel, but he was to model the Christian life as well. Verse 7, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Now, to the Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 11, Follow me as I follow Christ. And really what he's saying is the same thing to Titus, He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ, but Titus, have the whole church follow you and your example as you follow Christ. Let all of the areas of your life serve as an example to what it looks like to live in light of the gospel with this growing faith and knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Now, um, stick with me, Okay. In week one, I explained that Titus was an apostolic representative, right? So he was there representing Paul. He, he was sent there um, by Paul specifically to tend to this church, and, and, and he was there under Paul's authority. And so he is teaching what Paul would have him teach. He's establishing the doctrine and the faith of the church in keeping with Paul's gospel what he is doing is getting them ready for him to leave and this is why this is important he is he is getting the church getting their feet solidly under them so that the church can take care of itself and Titus can move somewhere else and help another church do the same thing so so he's not there to stay forever he is there to get them solidly grounded in the gospel for them to understand the good news of Jesus. The most beautiful part of this letter to me is what what comes next. Um, Titus was certainly a a gift to the church. Without a doubt, God's grace being poured out through Titus being there. But there's a greater gift, I think. God's gift to the church is certainly elders and we talked about elders last week but but there is still a greater gift I think even though elders should be a gift and it's one another it's the family that God gives us in the church God gives us family to teach one another so go to chapter two now like this was the longest introduction in the history of sermon introductions I promise we're going to move quickly Family to teach one another. Chapter 2, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Listen, they are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Again, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants in the church are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. This is a beautiful picture of what the family of God can be and, and I think what the family should be, what the local church should be. So let's start here. Older women teach younger women. Older women are to teach younger women. Um, When we look at this list, this list is not at all an exhaustive list. Right? So we should not look at this list and say, oh, well, these are the things and the only things that we are supposed to teach. Not meant to be that way. Likely, these were some of the problem areas that existed in Crete, and, 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 and there was some particular lack there. And so Paul is being specific to, to point out these shortcomings. Um, again, it's not Paul who is directly teaching what these things are and what life should be like, and it's not Titus directly doing it. It is the body teaching one another. It is older women teaching younger women. Older women teach younger women. Teach what is good. Teach what is good in the eyes of God. Train the younger women to love their husband and children. Teach them what it looks like practically right? It, Paul's not saying, like, just tell them they ought to love their husband. Teach them practically what it looks like to, to as, as a believer, as one who has been redeemed by Christ, as one who believes the gospel. Teach them what it means that their life is transformed by the gospel. And this is what it looks like now as a Christian, as a child of God, to love your husband and your children. Teach them to be self-controlled. Teach them to be pure, meaning holy and morally upright. Now, Paul says, teach them to work at home. I want you all to hear me on this. Paul is not saying that the only place that a woman is to be involved in work is at home. That's not what he's saying. Likely there was a, a, an issue in Crete where the women were not taking care of the home, where the women were not taking care of the children. This is part of the culture that was pulling them away from what is godly and what is good and what is right. And Paul is likely a, a, addressing that. Like, like teach them what it looks like to love their husband and their children. Teach them what it looks like to, to be involved in their household and to work there. So Paul's not saying ladies have to work in the kitchen and can't have a job outside of the home. Not what he's saying. Paul also says that older women are to teach younger women to be submissive to their husbands. Listen, we, 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 we don't skip over those things at New City. We also don't have the rest of the day to talk about it. So I am going to say this, like don't get hung up on this one. Don't get hung up on this. I want you to understand from the New City perspective, we don't see this idea of submission as just a Paul thing. Well, that was just Paul. It wasn't that at all. This idea of submission spans the pages of the Bible. It covers more than 1,600 years, multiple cultures and multiple continents, and and Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that, that this idea of submission is based on creation itself, not just creation, but also the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son submits to the Father, the Spirit submits to Jesus, right? And so again, don't have the rest of the day to unpack that. But I am sharing with you that foundationally, we don't see this as just a cultural thing. It wasn't just a Paul thing. We do see it as, as a biblical thing. Does not mean that God values women less than men, wives more than husbands, or, or less than husbands, or either of those. It is a biblical order. Let's keep going. Listen, if you have any questions, you are welcome to uh, email Larry this week. (laughs) Larry will get you all all fixed on that one. I'm joking, okay? Don't do that to Larry. (laughs) Do this, Paul says, so that the word of God may not be reviled. Right? So, what he's saying is um, this countercultural living as, as God's redeemed people glorifies God. And, and, and when we live according to the way that God has called us to live, n- no one can speak negatively of, of God or really of, of us. And so, he is saying, live like you are his. And older women teach the younger women to live like they are his. Like the gospel really has transformed them and changed their identity and who they are. Like they really are being shaped into the image of Jesus. So then he says older men. Older men teach the younger men. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. It's a really short list, but it really means a lot, right? Like we might look at it and say, well, what about the older guys teaching the younger guys all of this other stuff? True. And I think I, I think that Paul intends all of that as well. But when he talks about being self-controlled, it really covers all of, of life. Um, self-controlled at home speaks to their temperament with their wife and with their with their family for example. Um, it speaks to their, their drinking and eating and working and ambition, their, fi- their fidelity to, to their wife. It, it speaks to fatherhood and, and, and husbandhood. I mean, it, it really speaks to every area of a man's life. So, Paul mentions one more, and I'll mention it quickly as well. Bond servants are to model Jesus. Um, really quickly, Paul isn't condoning here, Um, slavery and and being a bondservant was a a type of slavery Uh, Paul is not condoning it in fact Paul is not condemning it Um, Paul is not speaking to it as a right or wrong what Paul is saying here is that if you are a believer and you find yourself to be a bondservant here is what it looks like to be a bondservant who loves and follows Jesus Here's what it looks like to be a bond servant who, who, is, who is pursuing Jesus. Now modern application, we don't have bond servants, but we have lots of and are, us, employees. And I think a lot of the things that he says here could apply to us just as employees. He says, "Be submissive to your master. Be submissive to your boss. Right? Be submissive to your boss. Be well-pleasing. Uh, don't be argumentative with your boss don't steal from your boss but show good faith why he says that you may adorn the teaching of God our Savior showing all good faith right the way that you work listen to me y'all going back to gospel fluency the way that you work is a reflection of what you truly believe It's just a fact. And so when we say it's okay to steal from our boss for whatever reason, that is a reflection of what you believe. Again, gospel fluency, Paul says it here, right? Doing this is is a way of showing our faith, that you may adorn the teaching of God, our Savior, showing all good faith. Right? I, I, I don't have to steal from my boss because I trust the Lord will provide for me. In fact, I trust that the Lord has provided for me this job. And, and even though my boss may be a jerk, I trust that the Lord has this authority in my life. Do you see what I'm saying? How we work reflects the things that we believe about who God is and what he has done for us. Work as unto the Lord, Paul said in Colossians 3.23, as an overflow and a picture of your faith. So, In the body, the family members were to teach older, younger, and they were also to model all of this, and and all of it is modeling what it looks like um, to know Jesus deeply, going back to Paul's language, to know him deeply, intimately, and personally, and to have faith, a growing faith, a true faith, a trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like when we have that and we are being transformed into the image of Jesus and more and more looking like him, we are becoming more and more godly. So we not only teach it, older women, younger women, older men, younger men, we model it so that the people in the family around us can look to you, can look to you and say, oh, I get it. That's what it looks like to walk with Jesus and be an employee. Oh, now I see this is how a husband should love his wife. I know that because I see it in, in, in Bill and in the way that Bill loves his wife. Now I see how a father should raise his children and love them as our heavenly father loves us. I see it because I see it in your life. They were to model the Christian life, right? This, again, is an overflow. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's an overflow of the good news of the gospel. For example, we forgive because we have been forgiven. Our lives should be a reflection of that. You have been forgiven so much in Christ. How much can you forgive? Right? We should model that in our, in our lives. We love, as I've already said, we love like we are loved. And that's one of the things, older men, that we are that Paul was saying to Titus, teach them to love like they are loved. We are patient because we understand how patient that he has been with us. This is what it looks like to live in light of the gospel. This is as we teach one another, as we model these things for one another, this is how the church was to grow in their intimate knowledge of Jesus and grow in their faith in the gospel. Now, if you're tracking with me, say amen. Okay, I didn't want to have to start over. Though false teachers would try to lead the church away from Jesus and the gospel, God gave the family to one another. God gave the family to one another to keep them growing in their faith and in their knowledge, their faith and their knowledge of Jesus and the gospel. Now, y'all, this excites me beyond, like, you have no idea how excited that this makes me. I want you to think about all of that that I've just said, okay? And I'm going to ask you a question or two. Where do you think all of that happens? Where do you think all of that took place? At the church building, I've said this so many times. I'll probably say it every week. I love this. Like Amanda was saying how much she loves to hear you guys sing, I love it too. I love when we are gathered together. I love getting hugs from you guys. I, I love seeing your children. If this is all you are getting, it is not nearly enough. This is not where this took place. Maybe, maybe, maybe you think it happened in an age segregated Sunday school class for an hour or so before the worship gathering where we split up in our age groups and college people are with college people and old people like me are with old people like me the young marrieds or with the young marrieds maybe maybe you think that's where no nah. nope do you think it was do you think maybe like again as we're as we're thinking through the picture that we have here do you think it was in an extra class that the church put on at the church building like an hour a week i'm going to go to this this class on I'm not saying that those classes aren't helpful. Please don't think that, right? Like, I've already told you, you need to go to the gospel fluency class. But do you think that's the picture that we get here? Somebody answer. (laughs) It happened in the everyday lives of family who live connected. It didn't happen in a Sunday morning worship service it didn't happen in a a class that was done an hour a week it did not happen it cannot happen listen to me please it cannot happen in, in, in a class that is age segregated or life stage segregated older women cannot teach younger women if they're never together Older men cannot teach younger men if they're never together. And you guys who are having your first kids, I love that you love to be together and your kids play together. But man, if you're not learning from someone whose kids are out of the house, you're not learning. These things happened in Crete. In house churches. House churches. They happened in the house churches where there was no age division and everyone gathered together to learn together. And and they didn't just gather once a week, they actually did life together as family and so they were spending time together. Older, Older men and older women holding those little babies right like they were their own grandchildren a a blessing to both it it wasn't it wasn't just a lesson on on teaching how to love your your husband it was it was doing life together in such a way that we could see we could see someone who was not loving their spouse in a christ-like way and then because we have this relationship, we can actually speak into their lives. It was, it was lives lived openly together so that people could see, not 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 perfection, but repentance. was life together that's that's what we see here the the church a family living the way it was meant to be living living life as God created us to live it together this is why this excites me so much you want to know why we place such a high value on missional communities here at New City this this is why we do missional communities this is why when college students come to us and say man we would really like to have a college mc we say no you're an idiot well we don't say that part (laughs) lord forgive me When, when when missional communities and listen birds of a feather flock together it is just a fact Like, you have to fight against that because that is what is natural. So when one of our missional communities becomes a missional community uh, of empty nesters, we're like, what are you doing? Why don't don't you have any young people? You got to get after some young people. How can we help you in your missional community to be a, a place that is more welcoming to young families? Because listen, that's the only way older women are going to be able to teach younger women. And I want to say this too, to, to, to all of us who are older, there's a lot for us to learn from younger men and younger women. You, you want to know why we, we press for diversity? And when I say diversity, I mean age diversity, socioeconomic diversity, racial diversity. Man, I wish we were more racially diverse. You know why we, why we desire that? Not, not just here on a Sunday, but in our missional communities? This is why. Because this is how we speak the gospel to one another. This is how we learn together. This is how we grow in our faith and our knowledge of Jesus. You want to know why we are always always pushing to plant new missional communities? You want to know why? Because there are tens of thousands of people right out there in the neighborhoods around us. Tens of thousands of people who not only don't know Jesus, but they don't have this community. They don't have a family and they are not growing in the gospel. That's why we want to plant new missional communities. And y'all, this this is how we grow. This is how we grow. I don't mean how we grow numerically as a church. I mean, this is how we grow in our faith and knowledge of Jesus. We do it together. This is where we are shaped into his image together. This, when I say this, again, I'm talking about missional communities. I'm, I'm talking about living life together as the family of God. I'll close with this. Say it again. I've said it already in this series several times. God gave this body for your good. God gave missional communities for your good. The only way for you to benefit from the good gift that God has given is to be a part of it. Amen? Now, the other part of that is that God gave you for the good of this body. God gave you for the good of the people around you. God gave you for the good of a missional community. And so not only, not only do you suffer when you're not a part of God's gracious gift to you, the rest of us suffer as well. Because God has given you and you are not a part. You know what would transform? I, I believe this wholeheartedly. What would transform lives and turn middle Georgia upside down? What would cause the world around us to pause and ask, what in the world is this? (laughs) This is what would do that. This would do that. Life together and a people growing in their knowledge and their faith growing more and more to look like Jesus, doing that together. That's what will transform the world around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your good grace to us. Thank you for these verses from Paul to Titus. Thank you that they remind us that you have created us not to be lone rangers but to be a part of a people thank you for the people of New City thank you for the people who encourage me thank you for my own missional community who reaches out to me if I'm not, if I'm not there who cares how I'm doing who speaks the gospel into my life and into the lives of the people in our missional community. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us. That you would, you would, you would stir in our hearts to, to, to truly be family and you would stir in our hearts for those who, who aren't a part of missional communities to be a part. For those who, who, who may have a connection but they, they aren't really there, Holy Spirit, move for them to be there. That we would enjoy the gift of one another that you've given to New City. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.